much stuff in my pack. Library, totally unnecessary. The little mini chess set that I had, totally unnecessary. And there were a whole variety of other things that I really, really wish I hadn't brought along. Now today, I can still feel what that felt like to have way too much weight on my back. Now can you think of a time when you were carrying something way too heavy? Maybe you were moving residences, maybe you were just moving something around the house, maybe you were out in the yard and you were carrying something incredibly heavy. I want you to think about that moment, and even more than just think about the moment, think about what it felt like to be carrying something that heavy. And let that feeling stick with you, and we're going to come back to it in a little bit. Now, we're in the middle of a series called Finding Freedom, and it's all about learning how to move past, to live beyond our regrets. Because I believe every person here today has at least one regret that they're carrying with them. At least one regret that we think about multiple times a day and that we wish we could get beyond. And so if you've been with us, we've been looking each week at what the gospel says, what Jesus says about moving past those regrets. Now, if you were here a couple weeks ago when we kicked the series off, we started with this big idea that our regrets don't need to be a finish line, but instead they can actually be a starting point. Because of what Jesus is able to do in our life, they can actually launch us into an even better future than we ever imagined. But that's not always how we think about them. Oftentimes we think of our regrets as kind of an end point, like we can never move beyond, like they're always going to affect us negatively. But the power of the gospel says something completely different. Now, our regrets and our experiences with regrets are intensely personal. We all experience regret in different ways. There are some people who maybe experience something and they move on very quickly. But there are other people who maybe experience a very similar thing and they have a really, really hard time ever getting beyond it. And so every one of us experiences regrets in different ways. It's very personal. But we talked about each week how there are three big categories to most of our regrets. And so first off, we have regrets of action. These are those things that we are sorry that we ever did. Sometimes it's an interaction. Sometimes it's word choice. Sometimes it's something we thought. Maybe it's an email that we sent somebody. We all have those regrets of action. But then there are also regrets of inaction. Those are those things that we're sorry about not doing. Those missed opportunities that we look back on. And we say, if I only had the ability to go back and change what I said, or you know, I had this opportunity to stand up for someone who was being treated poorly, or you know, I had one more opportunity to talk to my parents and I didn't take it. And so we also have those things, as the liturgy says, that we've left undone and unsaid. Well, then there's also regrets of reaction. All of us have things that happen to us throughout our life that are difficult. We have struggles. We sometimes have tragedies. Maybe we're mistreated by someone. And we all have the ability to choose how we react. And we all know sometimes we don't react in the best way. Sometimes we lash out. Sometimes we live in anger. 
Other times, maybe we go to unhealthy responses. Maybe it leads to an addiction or, or using other harmful substances. But sometimes we also have those regrets of reaction. Well, what often happens when we get those regrets internalized is we get stuck. And we think about them maybe every day or multiple times a day. And it gets into a cycle that we call the sorry cycle. And that's where we replay the regret. It's kind of like having a little rewind button in our head. And we can think through the situation. We can remember where everybody's standing. We knew every word that's said. And we replay that event again and again. And then we long for it to be different. We think, if I had a time machine, I would go back and I would tell myself to let it go. It's not worth hitting return. It's not worth saying those angry words. And we wish we could have it all over again. And we get stuck in our regret. And oftentimes, because of the pain that that leads to, we try to find ways to deny it, to dismiss it, to stuff it away. And if you were here last week, the illustration that I used is it's kind of like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. And you can do it for a while, right? It takes a lot of effort and energy, but you might keep the ball below the surface. But inevitably, sometimes at the worst time, it's going to pop back to the surface. And the same thing is true about our regrets. We can stuff them away. We can try to hide them from everybody else. We can try to keep the secret. But oftentimes at the very worst times, they pop back and suddenly everybody finds out. And so we live in kind of this perpetual fear of being found out. Now, there was something I was reading about not too long ago, and it's called the phantom vibration sensation. Have you ever heard about that before? Now, if you carry a cell phone in your pocket, and you don't want it to go off randomly, like in a service today, what do we often do? We put it on vibrate, right? And so when you get a phone call or a text, you feel a vibration in your pocket. Well, what scientists have said is it's led to this sensation where sometimes we feel that vibration and we're not getting a phone call. Have you ever had that before? You're like, I could have sworn somebody was calling or somebody texted. The phantom vibration sensation. I think it's very similar what can happen with our regrets is we start to wonder, is today the day that everybody's going to find me out? Is today the day that my regret is going to come back to the surface? Is today the day that my secret is going to be out and I'm going to lose everything? The phantom vibration sensation. Well, last week we started to talk about what the gospel says about moving beyond our regrets. And we talked about how the very first step in finding freedom is simply recognizing our regrets. It's owning up to them. It's getting honest with them. Getting honest with God. Getting honest with others. We need to stop trying to keep them below the surface and actually own them in order to move on. And we use the example of King David in the Old Testament. King, da King David was this rock star hero. Everybody knew who he was. He was a celebrity, and he made some very, very poor choices. He committed adultery, and then he committed murder, and he tried to keep it a secret. He probably wasn't fooling too many people, especially others in the palace, but he kept the secret because he was a king for one year. Imagine holding on to that regret and that secret and that sin for one year year every day wondering is this the day when it's going to pop back and everybody's going to find out well one day the prophet nathan shows up and tells david this story it's a story about a cute little lamb and it's owned by a poor man 
Suddenly a rich man comes and takes the poor man's lamb and barbecues it for dinner. And David is furious. He says, you should kill that guy. And Nathan just looks at him calmly and says, that story's about you. You're that man. And David suddenly realizes that his regret has been exposed. His sin is out in the open. And he has a choice. He could try to stuff it below the surface again, try to do damage control. But what David chose to do instead is move forward by recognizing the regret. And he does this with a big word. And it's something that you've already done this morning during the liturgy. It's confession. There is incredible power when we're willing to confess our sins. And so David turns to Nathan and he says, I have sinned against the Lord. And it's then that everything changes and God's gracious power comes to restore and redeem. Now look at what David says in Psalm 32 about his experience at this point. He says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived, and here's a key, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Now, would you say that you are living a life of complete honesty? Are you completely honest with yourself? Are you completely honest with God? And are you completely honest with others? David is saying that that process of confession and recognizing sin and being forgiven brings great joy. And maybe you're missing out on that joy this morning. And so we had this opportunity last week to be honest about our regrets. And we had an opportunity to take a post-it note and to write down a regret and to come and bring it forward. And we did a little reorganizing and it ended up looking like that. Hundreds and hundreds of regrets represented up on that board. People willing to recognize, to get honest, to own them. Asking God to come in and do something new in their life. Now there's power in community. When we look around and we realize we're not alone, that all of us are like the rest of us. All of us struggle in the same way. That we all have regrets that we need to move forward from and we can cheer each other on. And so I think it was a powerful morning last week. And God was reassuring us that our regrets don't need to be a finish line. Now they can actually be a starting point. Well, the next step is what I want to talk to you today about. The next step towards experiencing redemption through finding freedom is releasing your regrets. Now, this is so much easier said than done. Because again, we are so inclined to try to hide our regrets away. We don't want anyone else to find out. We don't want to look weak. Instead, we like to try to deny that they're even there. But the problem is, the more we carry our regrets with us, the more guilt and shame and fear that we have. But there's a simple cure to the fear and the guilt and the shame that so many of us experience. And that is forgiveness. 
Forgiveness is so powerful, it's so important. Now, when you think about it, unforgiveness is at the root of so many of the destructive behaviors that we have in our life. Unforgiveness causes so much friction in our relationships. But when we bring it out to the open, when we're willing to humble ourselves, when we experience forgiveness and we ask forgiveness, there is freedom and there's power in that. And so that's what I'd like to talk with you this morning about. And I have four questions that I'd like you to ask yourself. And then a simple little exercise, an action step for each one of these questions. So the first question for you to consider is, do you regret hurting someone? Do you regret hurting someone? Is the regret that you carry because of something you did or said to someone else? Maybe you just treated someone poorly. Maybe you lost your temper. Maybe you acted out of anger. Maybe you spoke harshly or you wrote a harsh email to someone. Maybe you gossiped about someone. Maybe you took advantage of someone. Maybe you left somebody out at one point in your life. Do you regret hurting someone else? Well, what you need to do today is to ask for forgiveness from that person. Now, the thing is, when you ask for forgiveness from someone, it doesn't guarantee that they will actually forgive you, right? You can't control someone else's behavior. But you know what? You're not supposed to. We have a clear step that we are called to take. We are to ask for forgiveness, and then it's up to them. The ball's in their court, how they want to respond. Now, I love Romans 12, 18, because Paul is talking about our relationships, and it's so real, it's so realistic to what we experience. Because what Paul says to us is, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now think of how much easier it would have been to just do the last part. Just say, live at peace with everyone. I mean, that sounds good, but Paul understood how complicated relationships can be. So he says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, do everything you can do. You can't control anybody else, but do everything you can do to live at peace with everyone else. And a big part of living at peace is being willing to ask forgiveness. Do whatever you can to make amends, bridge the gap, try to heal the hurt. But in the end, it's up to the other person if they want to meet you in the middle. Now, this is so much easier said than done because we all deal with pride and we all have an ego and we don't like to look weak. Now, this all played out in my life not too long before I came here to Calvary in June, I was at my last church and I was sitting down with one of my mentors and I was just venting about some difficulties I was having in the congregation. And I was just angry about how someone had treated me. And someone was saying all kinds of things about behind my back and, and it was just not a good situation and I was really frustrated. And in fact, I sat down with that person and the meeting didn't go well. 
And so I was venting, and I was talking about how frustrated I was and how this person didn't listen to what I had to say. And my mentor just looked me in the eyes and said, well, you did that exact same thing to someone else. And I was bowled over. Like, you're right. I'm expressing my frustration about what someone else did, but I did the exact same thing. And I felt awful. I went home and I just couldn't stop thinking about this regret. And so what I did is I grabbed my phone and I called the person up and I said, I just realized how poorly I treated you and I need to ask for your forgiveness. And I'm like shaking at this point because it's not an easy thing to do, right? But this person was so gracious and they said, I forgive you. And not only that, next time we see each other and we knew we were going to see each other in two days, they said, I'm going to give you a hug to seal this so you know that we're good. And you know what? It was one of the most freeing things I've experienced. Maybe today you need to ask someone for forgiveness. You need to reach out. You need to take the first step. Number two, do you regret making a mistake? I think if everyone here is honest, we all know we've made mistakes. Now, sometimes it can be something like maybe it was a car accident that was our fault. Maybe it was a bad investment that we made. We didn't get a good return. Maybe we got the wrong degree in college and we wish we could do it over. Maybe it was some wasted years of our life that we wish we could have over again. Maybe it was entering into a relationship that everybody warned us not to get into. Maybe it was a time that we chose the easy way out instead of taking the more difficult path. But the thing about our mistakes is they can haunt us for years. And we can keep asking the question, what if, what if I had done things differently? Well, if that's you today, you need to forgive yourself. You need to stop beating up on yourself. You need to stop replaying the mistake again and again. Now, this can be so, so hard because we like to hold ourselves to high standards, right? If you're a perfectionist like me, this can be almost paralyzing as I obsess over mistakes. But we need to believe God's promise that he is a God of second and third and fourth chances. You can't keep yourself in prison any longer. Now, if you come from a legalistic church background, we can experience this in a most difficult way. We sometimes have the illusion that if we are truly sorry about something, well, then we need to do penance, and we have to beat ourselves up, and everybody needs to see how much we beat ourselves up. Well, church, let me assure you, that has absolutely nothing to do with God's word. That is not the behavior that God expects from us. You are forgiven and you are loved, not because of anything you do or have done. You are loved and accepted because of Jesus Christ alone. And the cross is 100% sufficient for every one of your shortcomings, every one of your sins, and every one of your mistakes. Maybe today you need to forgive yourself. Maybe today you need to let it go once and for all. And you need to agree with what God says about you. Not what you say about you. Because God says you are forgiven. 
God says you are his beloved child. And God looks upon you with his unbelievable grace and mercy. Number three, do you regret being hurt by someone else? Now, maybe this is an adult who hurt you when you were a child. Maybe it was someone who was distracted driving and ran into your car. Maybe you were let go from your job at one point and you still harbor just bitter feelings towards your boss. Maybe you had a group of friends who turned their back on you. Maybe you have a tough situation in your family that you're still dealing with. Do you have someone who's hurt you? Well, the step, the action step today for you is that you need to forgive the person who hurt you. Now, this doesn't mean letting them off the hook, and it certainly doesn't mean putting yourself in harm's way. Not at all. And it certainly doesn't mean what they maybe did to you was okay, because it probably wasn't. And it also doesn't mean that you shouldn't experience pain over what happened. But what this is, is not allowing them to continue to affect you into the future. Now, what we need to do in this process is start with our own condition. We need to realize our own need for forgiveness from God. Because once we experience God's forgiveness, then our steps are clear. God says that we are to forgive as we've been forgiven. When we experience his unconditional grace, it should inform how we treat others. Realize your own condition first. Realize what you're capable of. And that God freely chose to forgive you. And then in turn, he calls us to forgive others. Now, I think there was a very powerful example of this that happened this past spring. And maybe you followed in the news just the awful story of the doctor who sexually abused hundreds of gymnasts. His name is Dr. Larry Nasser. And there was a moment in his trial where the young woman, who was the very first one to call him out, where she had an opportunity to testify. And within her 20 to 30 minute testimony, she gave one of the most powerful explanations of the gospel and the power of forgiveness that I've ever seen. And so I'd like you to take a look at this clip. But I want you to understand why I made this choice, knowing full well what was going I did it because it was right. No matter the cost, it was right. And the farthest I can run from what you have become is to daily choose what is right instead of what I want. You have become a man ruled by selfish and perverted desires. A man defined by his daily choices over and over again to feed that selfishness and perversion. You chose to pursue your wickedness no matter what it cost others. And the opposite of what you have done is for me to choose to love sacrificially, no matter what it costs me. In our early hearings, you brought your Bible into the courtroom, and you have spoken a claim for forgiveness, and so it is on that basis that I appeal to you. If you have read the Bible you carry, you know that the definition of sacrificial love portrayed is of God himself 
loving, still sacrificially, that he gave up everything to pay a penalty for the sin he did not commit. By his grace, I too choose to love this way. You spoke of praying for forgiveness, but lately if you have read the Bible you pray, you know forgiveness does not come from doing good things, as if good deeds can erase what you have done. It comes from repentance, which requires facing and acknowledging the truth about what you have done in all of its utter depravity and horror, without mitigation, without excuse, without acting as if good deeds can erase what you have seen in this courtroom today. The Bible you carry says it is better for a millstone to be thrown around your neck and you thrown into a lake than for you to make even one child stumble. And you have damaged hundreds. The Bible you speak carries a final judgment where all of God's wrath and its eternal terror is poured out on men like you. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet. Because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found. And it will be there for you. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so that you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me, though I understand I see it. Again, a powerful example of the gospel where she was deeply, deeply hurt, but she trusts God's promises and she's willing to release the person who hurt her. She forgives him and also appeals to him to come into a saving relationship with Jesus so that he can be forgiven by God. Incredibly powerful. Number four, do you regret committing a sin? And if you're honest, I think every person here would say yes. Maybe in the last hour, maybe in the last half hour, every one of us sins against God. And so our action step today, and really every day, is we need to ask God for forgiveness. Now we need to understand what a sin is. Sin is so much more than a mistake. It's not an oops. You know, we're generally okay admitting our mistakes. It's way harder to own up to sin. Because sin puts a distance between us and God. It fractures our relationship with him. Now, oftentimes, at first, all we really regret is being caught. Have you ever experienced a kid, you know, they're not really sorry about what they did, but they're sorry that they got caught. It's like the little kid who's got chocolate all over their mouth, and, you know, they get caught, and you say, well, did you get into the candy? And they're like, no, what did I, what are you talking about? And they finally maybe are just sorry that they got caught. But we need to be more than that. We need to understand the depths of our sin and what it actually does. And what we talked about last week is that until we recognize our sin, until we actually confess our sin, we can't move forward. Now remember, David said, I have sinned against the Lord. To which we might say, well, David, actually, you sinned against Bathsheba, and you really sinned against Uriah. But David understood it was even more serious than that. He says, I've actually sinned against God himself. He had put a distance 
an unbridgeable distance between him and his God. And so he did what every single one of us needs to do. He directly asked God for forgiveness. Now, there's no formula for this. You can do it in whatever way you wish. It might be through words. It might be through song. It might be through poetry. David himself was a poet. When he wrote Psalm 51, he was directly addressing his experience with Bathsheba and Uriah and his experience with God. Now, we heard this in the liturgy today. We also heard it in our Bible reading. But look at it one more time. David first says, have mercy on me, O God, because of what? Your unfailing love. Not because of your angry punishment. No, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. And here's the key. First step, he says, for I recognize my rebellion. I'm not in denial any longer. I'm not holding it below the surface. I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. He's stuck in the cycle. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil. It's not just a mistake. It's evil in your sight. And then we just fast forward a few verses to that most familiar part of the psalm. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. God can come and restore and renew and he can release us from our burdens. When we confess our sins, God makes an amazing promise. And we heard this in the liturgy, 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't say when he feels like it or if we've done enough penance or if we feel bad enough. No, it says God will. It's a promise that we can take to the bank. You don't need to beg. In fact, God wants to forgive you more than you want to ask for it. And you don't need to bargain with God. God, I promise I'll never do it again. He knows you're lying. You don't have to try to bribe him. God, I'll be in church every Sunday the rest of my life. No, he just asks us to believe. Believe his promise by faith. And then our sin is gone. God no longer recognizes it. He no longer holds it against us. Church, we all have regrets. We hold on to it way too tightly. We try to hide them away below the surface, but we know someday they're going to pop back. It's time to release them. It's time to let them go once and for all. Right now, I believe you still have at least one regret that's heavy on your heart. And the big question for you today is how much longer are you going to carry it forward? No matter who you are, no matter what your story is, no matter what your background is, you can experience freedom. You can move on beyond regret. It just starts with a choice. Confess it, recognize it, and allow God to come in and do the hard work to bring forgiveness and to help you release it once and for all.
I want you to think back to the beginning of the message when I asked you to think about carrying something heavy. Really physically remember what that was like. Do you remember just feeling like, man, I can't wait to put this down? I think many of us come in here today carrying a very heavy burden of our regret, of our sin. And God is saying, put it down once and for all. Now, last week, again, we had that opportunity to bring our regrets up and to put them on the board. But I think what often happens, even when we do something physically like that, is mentally, we just take it right back and put it in our pocket. We know the right thing to do, but we don't internalize it. We don't let God's grace really wash over us. We come up and, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at the foot of the cross, but then when nobody's looking, I'm going to take it back. Maybe that's you today. You still carry that regret with you. And so today, I want to invite you, I want to encourage you, I want to compel you to let God help you release it once and for all. And we have this incredible promise. It comes from the book of Isaiah, where God is describing our sin. And he says, though your sins are like scarlet, this stark color, he says, I will make them as white as snow. And so the il illustration I want you to see is how he has made all of our regrets as white as snow. The Bible says they are as far as the east is from the west. Recognize, confess, and allow God to forgive so that you can release. Today can be your day of freedom. Praise God. Let's pray.